The Global IP Matrix Magazine Issue 16. Front Cover Text. End of Life Cycle Brands, A Bold New Approach. Emerging Technology and Its Impact on Brands. Sodium Ions, Powering the Battery Revolution. Similar trademarks in the pharmaceutical industry. EU resources boost the Caribbean intellectual property environment. Windsor vs Google, warning against the download of an app is not disparagement, plus much more inside. This edition of the Global IP Matrix magazine is headlined by complete intellectual property services in Anguilla. The beneficial link between artificial intelligence and IP protection in the Caribbean island of Anguilla, AI, AI, and AI. Keisha Fleming Lake, Managing Attorney at Complete Intellectual Property Services, Anguilla. Same page. Front cover strip advertisement. Pat World. Patent Intelligence Platform and Research Services. www.patworld.com, mail at patworld.com, telephone plus 4401633816601. Page 2. Inside Front Cover Advertisement. Baknina and Partners, Russia. Trademarks. Patents. Utility Models. Designs. Dr. Tatiana Vaknina. Dr. Alexei Vaknin and Dr. Elena Atkina. EAPO. Armenia. Belarus. Kazakhstan. Azerbaijan. Georgia. Moldova. Armenia. Russia. Kyrgyzstan. Tajikistan. Turkmenistan and Uzbekistan. Trademarks, trademark search, trademark prosecution, trademark monitoring and trademark litigation. Contact office at baknina.am www.baknina.com Tel plus 7495231480 Moscow, Russia Page 3 Editor's Note and Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited Company Credits Dear readers, the time has come for the most significant IP event of the year for most of us. The International Trademark Association, INTA, makes its way to the SANS Convention Center in Singapore for an event that promises to be a gathering of industry professionals like no other. We cannot wait to see you all and to share our INTA special edition of the Global IP Matrix magazine. This special conference edition showcases content from some of the industry's leading IP law and innovation practitioners. It is headlined by Keisha Fleming-Lake from Complete Intellectual Property Services Law Firm in Anguilla. Keisha touches on the beneficial link between AI and IP on the island of Anguilla. AI stands for Artificial Intelligence and is also the country code for Anguilla. On the other hand, RE is a top-level domain. TLD, on the internet that is specific to Anguilla. This use of RE is unrelated to the geographical location of Anguilla, however, it has become a hub for technology and innovation in recent years. Read the full article inside and immerse yourself in this exciting content. Just across the pond from Anguilla, we welcome a newcomer to the Global IP Matrix magazine, Natalie E. Glitzenhan Augustine, legal practitioner at Glitz Law in St. Lucia. 
Natalie's article, EU Resources Boost the Caribbean Intellectual Property Environment, gives us an insight into the relationship the European Union Intellectual Property Office, EUIPO, has with the Caribbean region and how it has been actively working to strengthen the intellectual property, IP, rights environment in the Caribbean region, particularly to support local businesses that trade their products across borders. In the women's IP World Bite Size segment, our segment sponsor Laura Coleda from Dumont in Mexico discusses legal education from the past to the present and how women have navigated the education system, equal rights, challenges, and opportunities for advancement over the years. This is a must-read for history buffs. In our Conference Corner segment, Guillaume Henry, second deputy reporter general at AIPPI, shines the spotlight on what to expect at this year's World Congress taking place in Istanbul, Turkey, in October, followed by Karina Gomez, ECTA first vice president who also gives us a glimpse of what we should expect at the ECTA 41st annual conference that is taking place in Prague in June. There is so much more packed into this conference special edition which we hope you enjoy exploring. As always, a special mention and thank you to all our outstanding contributors and our readers for your continued support. Elvin Hassan. Editor and Head of International Liaisons. Same page. Northerns Media PR and Marketing Limited Company Credits. Published by Northerns Media PR and Marketing Limited, London, UK. Carlos Northern. CEO and founder at Northerns Media PR and Marketing Limited. Publisher of the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World. Carlos at NorthernsPRMarketing.com. Elvin Hassan. Editor for the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World and Head of International Liaisons for Women's IP World. Elvin at WomensIPWorld.com. Craig Barber. Head of Design for the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World. Info at NorthernsPRMarketing.com. Ashling Lenahan. Marketing and Creative Design. Northerns Media PR and Marketing Limited. Publishers of the Global IP Matrix magazine. And the Women's IP World Annual. Ashling at NorthernsPRMarketing.com. Page 4. The Global IP Matrix magazine editorial board members. Mlodin Vukma. Attorney at law. EU trademark and patent agent. At Vukma Attorneys at Law, Croatia. Sara Norka Anku. Senior partner, head of IP, company and commercial law at Anku Anku at Law, Ghana. Laura Coleda. Managing partner at Dumont, Mexico. Max Montero. Partner at Johansson & Langlois, Chile. Ray Lay ZHAO. LLM. Senior Partner. Head of the International Trademark Team, Attorney at Law and Trademark Attorney at Unitalin Attorneys at Law, China. Keisha Fleming Lake. Managing Attorney at Complete Intellectual Property Services, Anguilla. Page 5. Contents. Trademark News and Stories. Page 9. Winzo vs Google, warning against the download of an app is not disparagement. Manisha Singh, partner and Swadhina Jorda, associate at Lexorbis, India. Page 13. 
the prospect of revision draft of trademark law. Ray Jell, LLM, senior partner, head of the international trademark team, attorney at law and trademark attorney at Unitalin Attorneys at Law, China. Page 17. Similar trademarks in the pharmaceutical industry. Unchul Bharti, Associate Vice President, Client Relationships and Technical Aspects and supported by Saurabh Sharma, Consultant at Ashmar IP, India. Page 21. End of Life Cycle Brands, A Bold New Approach. Gavin Hyde-Blake, Co-Founder and COO and Spencer Voldburgess, Founder and CEO at Redcoin IP, UK. Empowering the future of IP in Anguilla and the Caribbean. This segment sponsored by Complete Intellectual Property Services. Page 26. The beneficial link between artificial intelligence and IP protection in the Caribbean island of Anguilla, AI. Ari, an AI. Keisha Fleming Lake, Managing Attorney at Complete Intellectual Property Services, Anguilla. Page 29. EU resources boost the Caribbean intellectual property environment. Natalie E. Glitzen Hern Augustine, legal practitioner at Glitz Law, St. Lucia. Women's IP World Bite Size Segment, sponsored by Dumont. Page 33. There is still so much work to do. Laura Coleda, managing partner at Dumont, Mexico. Patent News and Stories. Page 37. Emerging Technology and Its Impact on Brands. Anshul Sunil Saurastri, Advocate and Patent Attorney and Prieta Panthaki, Advocate at Krishna and Saurastri Associates, India. Page 41. Sodium Ions, Powering the Battery Revolution. Daniel D.I. Francesco, Intellectual Property Manager at Patworld, UK. Conference Corner Segment, ECTA and AIPPI. Page 47. It's time to register for the ECTA 41st Annual Conference. Explore the magic of IP in Prague. Karina Gomez, ECTA First Vice President, ECTA Program Committee Chair, BE. Page 51. Istanbul, the capital of Turkey. AIPPI World Congress, 22-25 October 2023. Guillaume Henry, 2nd Deputy Reporter General, AIPPI. Page 54. Legal regime in Sri Lanka to protect the consumer of digital intangibles or in the metaverse. Anomi Wanagasekara, partner and Sabira Sharif, senior associate at Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. Page 6. The Global IP Matrix Magazine Issue 16 Contributors. Manisha Singh. Partner at Lexorbis, India. Swadhina Jorda. Associate at Lexorbis, India. Ray Jao. Senior partner, head of the international trademark team, attorney at law and trademark. Attorney at Unitalin Attorneys at Law, China. Anshul Bharti. Associate Vice President, Client Relationships and Technical Aspects, Ashmar IP, India. Saurabh Sharma. Consultant at Ashmar IP, India. Gavin Hyde-Blake. Co-founder and COO, Redcoin IP, UK. Spencer Voldburgess. Founder and CEO, Redcoin IP, UK.
Keisha Fleming Lake. Managing attorney at Complete Intellectual Property Services, Anguilla. Natalie E. Glitzen Hern Augustine. Legal practitioner at Glitz Law, St. Lucia. Laura Coleda. Managing partner at Dumont, Mexico. Unshul Sunil Saurastri. Advocate and patent attorney at Krishna and Saurastri Associates, India. Prieta Pantharki. Advocate at Krishna and Saurastri Associates, India. Daniel D.I. Francesco. Intellectual Property Manager at Patworld, UK. Karina Gomez. ECTA First Vice President, ECTA Program Committee Chair, BE. Guillaume Henry. Second Deputy Reporter General, AIPPI. Anomi Wanigasekra. Partner at Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. Sabira Sharif. Senior Associate at Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. Page 7. Advertisements Time 3. First Quarter Page Advertisement. Mark Inventor Intellectual Property Services. Your intellectual property agent in Eastern Europe and Asia. European Patent and Trademark Attorneys. Trademarks, Patents, Assignment, Industrial Designs, Opinions, Oppositions, Patent Annuities, Renewal Designs, Renewal Trademarks. Contact Details. Mark Inventor Company. Limited. Intellectual Property Services. Glinska Ulica 14. 1000 Ljubljana. Slovenia. Phone, plus 386-1-426-6503. Fax, plus 386-1-251-0508. Phone, plus 386-1-540-4331. Fax, plus 386-1-524-3118. Email, office at mark-inventor.si. Website, www.mark-inventor.com. Second quarter page advertisement. Deep and far attorneys at law since 1992. IP right prosecution and litigation corporate legal and consulting IP value-added services. Focus, patents, trademarks, copyrights, trade secrets, unfair competition licensing, Counseling, Litigation, Transaction. Territories, Taiwan, Mainland China, Hong Kong, and Macau. Fields, Mechanics, Chemistry, Pharmacy, Biology, Electronics, Optics, Telecommunications, and Computer Sciences since 1992. Address, 13th Floor, 27, Sector 3, Chung San N. Road, Taipei, Taiwan. Telephone, 886-2-258-56688-7 Fax, 886-2-2598-9900-259789890 Email, email at deepnfar.com.tw Website, www.deepnfar.com.tw Third Half Page Advertisement United Trademark and Patent Service Intellectual Property Attorneys. Your reliable partners for intellectual property matters in Pakistan, South Asia, the Arabian Gulf, the Middle East and Africa. Trademark, 
patent, design, copyright, domain name registration, litigation, and enforcement law. Regional Head Office Suites 401-402, Ol Hawaii Tower, Sheikh Zayed Road, Dubai, UAE. Telephone plus 971-4343-754. Fax plus 971-4343-7546. Email Dubai at unitedtm.com or United Trademark at unitedtm.com. Websites www.utmps.com or www.unitedip.com. Page 8. Conference Advertisement. Marques. The 37th Marques Annual Conference. Tuesday 19th, Friday the 22nd of September 2023, Intercontinental Hotel, Berlin. In brands we trust the next frontier. For more information, go to www.marques.org. Page 9. Article. Winzo vs Google, warning against the download of an app is not disparagement. Written by Manisha Singh, partner and Swadhina Jorda, associate at Lexorbis, India. Disparagement of trademarks refers to the act of making negative or derogatory statements about a particular trademark, brand, or product in a way that could damage its reputation or value. This can be done through various means, such as negative reviews, false or misleading statements, or public criticism. This can include using the trademark in a way that suggests inferior quality, making false statements about the product or brand, or associating the trademark with negative or undesirable traits. Disparagement of trademarks can have serious consequences for the owner of the trademark, as it can harm the brand's reputation and value, reduce customer trust and loyalty, and ultimately lead to a loss of sales and revenue. In some cases, it can even lead to legal action if the disparagement is considered trademark infringement, defamation, or unfair competition. Trademark owners have the right to protect their trademarks from disparagement and can take legal action against those who engage in disparaging behavior. Courts often address such issues, and the case of Winzo v. S. Google, C.S., Com. 176-2022, pending before the Delhi High Court, is the most recent one in the disparagement row. The court has dismissed the application for the interim injunction filed by the plaintiff in this case. As far as the factual matrix of this goes, the plaintiff is a digital gaming and technology company that operates an online digital gaming platform application under the marks WinZO forward slash WinZO games. The app under the marks WinZO forward slash WinZO games of the plaintiff was introduced in February 2017. It offers its users over 70 games in five formats in over 12 regional languages. The plaintiff has registrations for the Marks WinZO and WinZO games under classes 38, 41, and 42. The mobile app of the plaintiff was available on the Google Play Store until the plaintiff converted it to a paid gaming platform. Thereafter, the plaintiff had to remove its application from Google Play Store. It now owns and operates the website www.winzogames through which consumers can download its gaming application. The said website can be accessed by searching for the keywords WinZO Games on any search engine. In November 2021, 
The plaintiff came to know of the defendants displaying a disclaimer warning to users upon an attempted download of the plaintiff's application. The text of the warning is as under. This type of file may harm your device. Do you want to keep WinZO? App anyway. Hence, the plaintiff filed a suit seeking a permanent injunction and other ancillary reliefs. The plaintiff alleged that the warning was devoid of any legal justification and went beyond the information technology mandate, intermediary guidelines and digital media ethics code, rules 2021, IT rules 2021. It also amounted to infringement of the plaintiff's trademarks and disparaged the plaintiff's digital gaming services under the marks WinZO forward slash WinZO games. Also, the plaintiff alleged that the defendants were inducing a breach of contract between the plaintiff and its users by displaying the aforesaid warning. In response, the defendants submitted that the warning was being used on a non-discriminatory basis in respect of all third-party apps, which can be downloaded from the internet. Displaying such a warning is an industry practice, and the purpose is to protect consumers from any possible malware. The defendant contended that there was no disparagement as there is no comparison of the plaintiff's app with any of the defendant's products or services. Plus, the defendants did not use the trademarks in question for the trade of any goods or services. Therefore, there could not be any tort of inducement of breach of contract as such because there was no contract in place between the plaintiff and its users till the time the application was installed by a user. After analyzing the facts, the court observed that such warnings are not unique to the Google Chrome browser of defendant number one. Many other browsers also display such warnings. Therefore this, prima facie, appears to be an industry practice. On the allegation of infringement, the court held that. There is merit in the submission of the defendants that the use of the plaintiff's trademark in the aforesaid warning shall not constitute as a mark likely to be taken as being used as a trademark in terms of Section 29, 1, of the Trademarks Act, 1999. Further, a perusal of Section 29, 6, of the Trademarks Act, 1999 would show that the use of the impugned marks by the defendants in their warning is not covered in any of the subclauses, A, B, C, or D, of section 29, 6. A perusal of the warning would show that the reference to the name of the APK file application, WinZO, is only for identifying the file being downloaded for the purpose of the warning. Notably, section 29, 6, explains what the use of the registered mark would constitute under section 29. It says that under this section, a person uses a registered mark if, in particular, he, a, affixes it to any goods or the packaging thereof, b, offers or exposes goods for sale, puts them on the market, or stocks them for those purposes under the registered trademark, or offers or supplies services under the registered trademark, c, imports or exports goods under the mark, or, d, uses the registered trademark on business papers or in advertising. This list does not include the use of a trademark in a warning or disclaimer. On section 29, 4, the court concluded as follows. Since defendant number 1, Google LLC, is not providing any goods or services using the impugned trademarks, the condition in subclause, b, of section 29, 4, is not satisfied. 
Hence, it does not constitute use of the trademark in the course of trade within the meaning of Section 29.4. Further, since defendant number one is not advertising goods services by using the plaintiff's marks in any manner, there is no case made out for infringement under Section 29.8 of the Trademarks Act, 1999. As regards the ground of disparagement, indisputably, there is no comparison between the products services of the defendants with that of the goods services of the plaintiff. Nor is there any advertising for any goods or services. Therefore, there is no competing interest of the products services of the defendants involved, and in my prima facie view, no case of disparagement is made out. On the breach of the contract-related allegation, the court held that when a user clicks on the download link on the plaintiff's website, the user is only willing to execute a contract with the plaintiff. Since there is no contract in place at the time the warning is displayed, there cannot be any question of inducement to breach the same. The court further referred to Rules 3, 1, I, and 3, 1, K, of the Information Technology, Intermediary Guidelines and Digital Media Ethics Code, Rules, 2021, hereinafter, 2021 IT Rules, which are produced below and held that the defendants are under an obligation to take reasonable security measures. In a way, the court indicated that displaying such warnings is an act of discharging the due diligence burden of intermediaries, as required under the law, hence, it is not questionable. 3. 1. Due diligence by an intermediary, an intermediary, including social media intermediary and significant social media intermediary, shall observe the following due diligence while discharging its duties, namely. i. The intermediary shall take all reasonable measures to secure its computer resource and information contained therein following the reasonable security practices and procedures as prescribed in the information technology, reasonable security practices and procedures and sensitive personal information, rules, 2011. K. The intermediary shall not knowingly deploy or install or modify the technical configuration of the computer resource or become party to any act that may change or has the potential to change the normal course of operation of the computer resource than what it is supposed to perform, thereby circumventing any law for the time being in force. The case provided an opportunity for a more liberal interpretation of the concept of disparagement and widened its ambit. However, from the above, it can be concluded that the court analyzed the facts of this case considering the existing statutory language, its literal meaning, and the established principles of law around disparagement. Disparagement can occur in the context of using trademarks in disclaimers and warnings. It can happen when a party uses the trademark of another party to make false or misleading statements about the quality, safety, or efficacy of a product or service. Such use can damage the reputation of the trademark owner and cause harm to their business. It is important to widen the ambit of this concept beyond comparative advertising because it is a broader concept that encompasses a variety of other situations and contexts. The language used in the warning, this type of file may harm your device, gives the impression that the app is harmful to the user's device and can expose it to malware. The language of such disclaimers and warnings can be changed to the effect that the browser entity cannot guarantee your device's safety if the app is downloaded. This would mean that the intermediary is following a hands-off approach rather than giving a misleading impression that the app is harmful.
Overall, it is important to ensure that any warnings related to trademarks are accurate, truthful, and do not harm the reputation of the trademark owner. By doing so, individuals and businesses can better understand the potential harm that disparagement can cause and take steps to avoid making statements that could be seen as disparaging, whether in advertising or other forms of communication. Page 12. Advertisement. Lex Orbis. Intellectual Property Attorneys. Your most trusted IP partner. New Delhi, Mumbai, Bengaluru. Website www.luxorbis.com Email, mail at luxorbis.com Telephone, plus 9111237165565 Page 13 Article The Prospect of Revision Draft of Trademark Law Written by Ray Zhao, LLM, Senior Partner, Head of the International Trademark Team, Attorney at Law and Trademark Attorney at Unitalin Attorneys at Law, Patent. Trademark and Copyright, China. On January 13, 2023, the China National Intellectual Property Administration issued the revision draft of the Chinese trademark law. Although the Chinese trademark law has already experienced four changes in 1993, 2001, 2013, and 2019, the current trademark law cannot meet the new needs of trademark practice development. Problems such as malicious application, trademark hoarding, registration without use, repetitive application, and malicious litigation are prominent. In practice, it is difficult for enterprises to obtain trademark rights, and the number of trademark applications and registrations is significant, but the quality needs to be improved. The revision draft upholds the concept of maintaining social fairness and justice, fair competition, and market order and serving the high-quality development of the economy and society. Based on the actual needs of China, the revision draft draws on foreign legislative and practical experience and positively responds to the problems and needs arising from the practice. The current trademark law has made significant changes from the system to the content. Suppose the revision draft of the trademark law is accepted in whole or in part, in that case, enterprises' compliance obligations in trademark layout, trademark application strategy, trademark use and other aspects will be substantially increased. More prohibitions against malicious applications. Malicious trademark application has always been one of the most concerning issues in the field of trademark practice. The revision draft makes bad faith filers pay a higher price, and many new approaches will be adopted as follows. Increase the amount of fines against bad application and registration owners. Establish a compulsory transfer system against bad application and registration if bad faith is found. For example, Article 67 and Article 83 of the draft stipulate the administrative liability and civil compensation liability for malicious registration, that is, the maximum fine of 250,000 renminbi and confiscation of illegal gains. Where a malicious trademark registration application has caused brand owners' losses, Brand owners may bring a lawsuit before the court and claim compensation for the losses. The compensation shall at least include the reasonable expenses paid to deter the malicious application for trademark registration. If brand owners encounter bad faith applications, apart from filing oppositions and invalidation according to law, in that case, 
It may also file administrative complaints and civil lawsuits against the acts of bad faith applications and registrations and demand compensation from the persons involved, especially the attorney's fees and other reasonable expenses to stop the acts of bad faith applications or registrations. This amendment will effectively reduce the cost of rights protection for enterprises and encourage them to actively exercise their rights to prevent trademark registration, approval, and malicious litigation. At the same time, this amendment also increases the cost of squatting. In addition to the invalidation of the trademarks registered at a very low cost, they may also face the high loss of bearing the cost of protecting the rights of the squatted due to the squatting behavior. Establish a new principle of prohibiting repetitive applications. Article 14 of the draft first stipulates that, unless otherwise stipulated, the same applicant shall register only one identical trademark for the same goods or services. In recent years, the phenomenon of repetitive applications for trademark registration has been increasing. To this end, the draft refers to the principle of one thing, one right, in property law. Article 21 of the draft further clarifies the scope of the prohibition of duplication, that is, the trademark applied for registration shall not be the same as the prior trademark that the applicant applied for, has already been registered, or has been cancelled, revoked or invalidated by public notice within one year before the date of application. At the same time, Article 21 also provides six exceptions for the principle of prohibiting repetitive applications, such as the failure to renew the prior trademark and the cancellation of the prior registered trademark. Article 36 further stipulates that any person who considers an application for a trademark to be repetitive applications, even if he has no prior rights or is not an interested party to the repetitive applications of the trademark, shall have the right to raise an objection within the period of initial examination announcement to prevent the duplicate registration of the trademark. The prohibition of repetitive applications in the draft is something that has never been done in the previous trademark law. Repetitive applications are currently a routine operation of a trademark application in many enterprises for various reasons. The new rule could upend how companies understand trademark applications and force them to refocus their overall layouts and strategies for brand and trademark applications. Before applying for registration, the enterprise shall at least assess whether the application submitted is repetitive applications according to the exceptions in Article 21. Strengthen the trademark use obligation. By November 2022, China has 42.337 million valid registered trademarks, among which there are a large number of trademarks which occupy a large number of trademark resources. In practice, if the trademark application is rejected, there will usually be the same or similar trademark cited before, and the trademark not actually used in the cited trademark accounts for a very high proportion. The revision draft raises the requirements for trademark use and highlights the importance of trademark use. The revision of several provisions of the draft reflects the requirements for the use of trademarks when applying for trademarks and after the approval of registration. For example, according to the amendment of Article 5, trademark applicants may be required to provide evidence of use or commitment of use in future trademark applications. Article 61 of all the amendments that may have the greatest impact on the Chinese trademark application system is the most important. 
Article 61 establishes a system of description of the use of trademarks and random inspection of the use of trademarks by the Administrative Department of Intellectual Property. Article 61, a trademark registrant shall, within 12 months after the expiration of every five years from the date of approval of the trademark registration, explain to the Intellectual Property Administrative Department under the State Council the status of the use of the trademark on the approved commodities or the valid reasons for its non-use. A trademark registrant may explain the use of multiple trademarks within the above-mentioned time limit. Where no explanation has been given at the time limit, the Intellectual Property Administrative Department under the State Council shall notify the trademark registrant. Suppose the trademark registrant fails to do so within six months from the date of receipt of the notification, in that case, it shall be deemed to have abandoned the registered trademark, and the Intellectual Property Administrative Department under the State Council shall cancel the registered trademark. The Intellectual Property Administrative Department under the State Council shall conduct random inspection of the authenticity of the description. It may, when necessary, require the trademark registrant to supplement relevant evidence or entrust the local Intellectual Property Administrative Department to conduct verification. If it is proven to be untrue through random inspection, the Intellectual Property Administrative Department under the State Council shall cancel the registered trademark. New Compulsory Trademark Transfer Mechanism Against Bad Faith Applications and Registrations the system of compulsory trademark transfer only applies to the following three situations, 1, where the registered trademark is a copy, imitation, or translation of another well-known trademark, 2, an agent, a representative, or an interested party registers a trademark in advance, 3, where a trademark that has been used by another person and has exerted certain influence is registered unreasonably, the prior right holder may request that the trademark be transferred to his own name. After the ruling confirming the transfer of a registered trademark has been made, the trademark registrant shall not dispose of the registered trademark. Before the compulsory transfer of the trademark system, enterprises can only invalidate the registered trademark first and then apply for a trademark in their own name after the trademark is invalid. However, there is a period of time between the trademark application and registration, during which time there are certain restrictions on enterprise rights protection. After the implementation of the compulsory trademark transfer system, enterprises can request trademark authorities to transfer the registered trademarks directly to their own names, saving the time and cost of reapplying and protecting their rights in advance. It should be noted that the compulsory trademark transfer system is only applicable to the above three situations. Enterprises that lawfully apply for trademarks and operate brands are not affected by the system. However, Compliance enterprises can use the system of compulsory transfer of trademark to effectively prevent malicious registration, transfer the registered trademark to their own name as soon as possible, use the trademark that should belong to their own and carry out the brand operation as soon as possible. Page 15. Half-page advertisement. Unitalin Attorneys at Law. A leading IP law firm in China. Offices in 20 major commercial cities in China and also in the U.S., Japan and Germany. Handling over 400 IP litigations each year. 236 patent attorneys, 66 trademark attorneys and 71 attorneys at law. Ranking first in the top 10 patent agencies in Beijing with the most patent applications.
ranking top on the list of agencies for many years in trademark applications. Address, Beijing, 7th floor, Saitek Place, number 22 Jiangwomenawai Avenue, Beijing, 100004, China. Telephone, plus 86105920888. Fax plus 86105920855. Email mail at unitalend.com. Website, www.unitalend.com. Page 16. Conference Advertisement. Innovation and IP Forum and Awards. Leaders League Alliance Summit, Law and Innovation. July 6, 2023. At the Intercontinental, Paris Le Grand. Conferences Awards Ceremony Networking. The Leaders League Alliance Summit is the result of the unification of Leaders League two biggest. International events. The International Legal Alliance Summit and Awards and the Innovation and IP Forum and Awards. By merging the events, we will bring together the best of the corporate and legal markets. And the best of the IP and innovation world in a unique one-day event gathering. Key International Players. 600-plus attendees, 80-plus speakers, and 50 awards. www.alliance-summit.com Leaders League Page 17 Article Similar trademarks in the pharmaceutical industry Written by Unshul Bharti, Associate Vice President, Client Relationships and Technical Aspects and supported by Saurabh Sharma, Consultant at Ashmar IP, India A trademark is one of the important areas of intellectual property rights. It is the distinguishing factor between products available in the market. This can be a distinctive name, word, phrase, symbol, logo, design, image, or a combination of these elements that identifies a product, service or firm. Trademarks not only grant the owner the right to exclude others from using similar marks in selling or advertising but also helps the proprietor to build a reputation for his brand. With time, it portrays the quality of goods in the minds of the customers, and that mark may become a reputed name in the market. To create a product, pharmaceutical companies invest a lot of effort and research on drugs before they arrive on the market. While the sector is indeed booming, attention should be given to trademark protection in addition to patent protection. Usually, the pharmaceutical companies add a common suffix or prefix which can be related to dosage form, tab, cap, company name, kind, carby, drug name, all, sin, zol, sin etc. Sometimes, adding a suffix or prefix slightly alters the mark or creates a word that is interchangeable in a consumer's mind. Similar suffixes or prefixes not only allow another party to bring on a case of infringement but also poses the possibility of customers purchasing the wrong product and giving incorrect results. With the pharma industry growing, deceptive similarity is becoming a major threat in the universe of trademarks. This is how existing trademarks are being infringed or misused. This similarity in trademarks may lead the public of average intelligence to believe that the mark in question is somehow related to a well-known trademark which may affect the goodwill and reputation of the true brand owner. Especially when people in a country like India use multiple languages or are usually unaware of the intricacies behind pharmaceutical products, this invites confusion and ends up in misunderstanding by the consumer. 
Because this kind of confusion may create fatal results and even the loss of a person's life, the degree of caution must be prioritized. The deceptive similarity is the most common way a trademark can be infringed, with the intention to deceive or confuse the general public. Section 2, 1, H, in the Trademarks Act, 1999 provides a definition of the same. H, deceptively similar, a mark shall be deemed to be deceptively similar to another mark if it so nearly resembles that other mark as to be likely to deceive or cause confusion. Amongst the various matters that reach the courts, only some stand out to bring certain new interpretations of the existing provisions of the acts and statutes. It has been observed that visually and phonetically similar marks, for example, Gentac and Zantac, can be confused and may lead to irreversible effects on the consumer. The court, in this case, was in favor of the plaintiff and restrained the manufacturing and production of Gentac. The humble Delhi High Court has widened the scope of infringement to the use of a similar mark the logo-color combination. This case rightly sets an example for pharmaceutical companies to employ a degree of caution and care while choosing trademarks for their medicines. In a landmark case of Cadilla Healthcare Limited, Cadilla Pharmaceutical Limited, 2001, the Supreme Court provided some grounds for testing deceptive similarity. The dispute occurred because the defendant was selling a medicine named Falsitab, which was very similar to the medicine manufactured by the plaintiff named Falsigo. Both drugs were used to cure the same disease, so the plaintiff demanded an injunction on the grounds that the names were creating confusion among the customers. The defendant argued that the prefix falsi has been taken from the name of the disease, i.e., falsifera malaria. The court observed that the test to be applied for deceptive similarity in cases involving medicinal products should be far greater than in cases involving non-medicinal products. Further, the court held that phonetically similar brand names shall be considered deceptively similar. Another case is between Sun Pharma Laboratories Limited vs Ajanta Pharma Limited, 2019, in which the court held that the suffixes EYE and TAB are insufficient to create any distinction between GLOWE and GLOTAB and, in fact, enhance the chances of confusion. GLOTAB and GLOWE have the same prominent prefix, namely, GLO. The plaintiff's product, GLOWE, is a tablet. TAB is also nothing but a short form for tablet. Hence, applying the principles laid down in Cadilla, the plaintiff is entitled to an interim injunction. The defendant was restrained from selling any medicinal preparations, nutritional food supplements or any other preparations for human consumption for treating any illnesses, disorders, or diseases under the trademark, GLOTAB, or any other mark identical or deceptively similar to the plaintiff's mark GLOWE. In the latest case of Sun Pharma vs DWD Pharma case, 2022, Sun Pharma filed an application with the Delhi High Court seeking a grant of ad interim injunction restraining DWD Pharma from manufacturing, selling, offering for sale, advertising, directly or indirectly dealing in medicinal preparations under the mark Falzest, alleging deceptive similarity of its trademark Falzest. DWD Pharma argued that Sun Pharma had concealed various material facts, including that DWD Pharma has been a registered proprietor of the trademark Zest since 1983 and has a family of registered trademarks with Zest forming a part of them. This case emphasized the clean hands doctrine vis-à-vis -vis trademark law. 
The court held that the plaintiff must be with clean hands while approaching the court, putting forth all facts without concealing various material facts. However, it was interesting to see the decision that even though the court deemed that there was no candid disclosure by the plaintiff, the plaintiff was entitled to an ad interim relief. This was primarily because there can be confusion between the two marks, which eventually may lead to wrongful consumption of the pharmaceutical goods by the consumer, which in turn will lead to disastrous consequences. Therefore, despite not approaching the court with clean hands, the plaintiff was entitled to an ad interim relief on the basis that they were the prior users, and the two marks were deceptively similar. Though the cost of R.S. 10 larks was imposed for concealing material facts. Conclusion In view of the above cases based on deceptive similarity, the test of deceptive similarity is raising its bar in cases of pharmaceutical products. In a country like ours, where there are people with different languages, and low pharma knowledge, deception caused due to the similarity may cause fatal consequences. Hence, it is essential for a person who wishes to adopt and use a mark in cases of pharmaceutical products to make sure that it is not confusingly similar to any other mark and would not lead to ambiguity in any manner. Even if similar drugs are used for the same indication but because of the difference in their composition, salt, and dosage strength, they cannot be substituted in place of each other. A person may be allergic to certain compounds, and this kind of confusion may pose potential harm to patients. In the case of the pharmaceutical industry, advertising themselves for something they are not may lead to loss of money, time, and effort and, most importantly, a person's life. Hence, care should be taken while deciding the trademarks for pharmaceutical products so that the product should not cause any confusion. Page 18. Half-page conference advertisement. 2023 annual meeting. IPO, September 10th to 12th, 2023. The Heinz Convention Center, Boston, MA. Hashtag IPOEM23. The IPO meeting offers a mix of educational programs, committee meetings, networking, an IPO expo hall and more. Visit www.ipo.org forward slash AM2023. For membership, visit www.ipo.org forward slash membership. Page 19. Advertisement. Ashmer Technologies and Research Private Limited is an IP boutique that specializes in intellectual property and technology law, with a focus on providing legal advice that is favorable to businesses. The firm was first established in the USA in 2007 by Mr. Anurag Bisht, an accomplished entrepreneur in the technology industry who is also an inventor. To cater to its clients' growing needs and be accessible too. Then, the firm has established offices in India as well. Patent analytics, patent and trademarks, IP specialities. Pharmaceuticals, biotechnology, medical devices, electronics and electricals and mechanical devices. Telephone US, 949-340-6635 or India plus 91-989-973-3323 www.ashmerip.com Page 20 Advertisements Times 2 First Advertisement Singh & Singh Law Firm LLP is an Indian law firm with years of experience in providing services inter alia in the field of intellectual property law, media and telecommunications laws, arbitration, competition law, law of taxation, drugs regulatory laws. 
with a highly qualified and experienced team of legal professionals, the firm is able to identify the core of a client's issues to provide suitable solutions. Practice expertise. Patents, trademarks, copyright and media, telecom and broadcasting, regulatory and compliance, corporate and commercial, corporate restructuring and insolvency, dispute resolution and arbitration, employment and labor law. Singh & Singh Law Firm LLP C-139, Defense Colony New Delhi, 110-024, India, T, plus 9111-498-260-00-6090. Email at singandsing.com. Second half-page advertisement. The Conference Guerrilla. You are invited to attend the 25th edition of the IPR Guerrilla Conference. Dubai, 2023. Date 12th to 13th of July. Mail, Ankita at theconferencegorilla.com. Telephone, plus 44-208-638-7213. Page 21. Article. End of Life Cycle Brands, A Bold New Approach. Editor to the Global IP Matrix magazine, Elvin Hassan, sat down with the two founders of Redcoin IP, Gavin Hyde-Blake and Spencer Voldburgis, to learn more about the new and exciting service that has already impacted the global IP community. Redcoin IP is a new company, they launched on the 14th of February, Valentine's Day, this year, but have already made a big splash. They have launched a new IP tech service aimed at an often forgotten portion of the trademark lifecycle, what to do with your no longer needed trademarks. The old approach of constantly renewing or letting them lapse has been overtaken by a positive and proactive approach that will be a winner for brand owners and IP professionals. Thank you for your time today, gentlemen. Please explain to our audience what Redcoin IP is. At its simplest, it is a platform for selling and buying registered trademarks. To build on that, it is an advanced platform that allows trademark holders to list for sale any unused or unwanted trademarks for sale on an open marketplace. They can free up their portfolios, monetize their old IP and generate revenue for a mark that may be at the end of its life cycle. An advanced IP strategy that involves registering or acquiring defensive marks to protect a core mark means that when a brand owner decides to stop using one mark, many others may also lose the protective importance, which could be a cost and inconvenience. A brand owner can still keep the old core mark and now start divesting themselves of those support marks to offset the costs of other IP protection. The flip side is that it allows individuals or companies to buy an off-the-shelf registered trademark without having the potential stress of waiting for rejection or opposition and having additional prosecution costs or needing to apply for a new mark from scratch. By buying a pre-loved mark, they are also potentially picking up prior rights too, and can begin building the brand from the moment the sale completes, rather than waiting for the registration process to go through its steps, so it is a win-win for all. How does the platform work? We have worked very hard to keep it simple and easy. We have built-in trademark data APIs connecting the listing page to the records of the various IPOs. A seller enters the registration number and the associated country, and the system auto-populates with all the official data. They can then set the price they are looking for, and whether it is negotiable, and add any associated domain names they want to sell. 
There is also space to add a description and history of the mark or what they are looking for too. Once it is live, we start pushing out the new listings on social media to advertise them widely and to catch the attention of buyers. For buyers, it is even more straightforward. There is a search page and watchlist facility to keep an eye on marks they like the sound of. They get to deal directly with the seller, they are putting in offers that go through an AI bot, they are negotiating on our secure message system directly with the seller, and both sides can pass the assignment documents through the messaging system too. What safeguards do you have in place? We take the integrity of the ownership and our platform very seriously. No one can sell a mark on the platform until vetted. This ensures they are either a legitimate IP professional or actual trademark holders, so the people who list the mark are either the owners or their appointed representatives. That ensures the marks that are up for sale are there legitimately. We have a built-in third-party escrow system through which all purchases have to be made, so the seller knows a major financial institution holds the money while the assignment documents are exchanged and the buyer knows that they will get all their money back if the seller fails to provide them with the documentation, or if the deal falls through for any reason. What has the initial reaction been from the end user utilizing this platform? The reaction has been great, from both brand owners and IP professionals. Brand owners can see huge benefits in slimming down portfolios that have grown over the years to enormous sizes but have large numbers of unused or unwanted marks that can be rationalized out. All the ones we have spoken to have clear strategies and approaches for registering or acquiring IP and great processes for managing that IP during its lifespan, but the end-of-life processes for marks is an area that has remained undeveloped for most IP holders. We are trying to shake up that part of the process to ensure that there are now solid alternatives for marks rather than the renew or lapse default. This is a key area for us, to disrupt this small and overlooked part of the cycle and give both trademark holders and IP professionals real options for positive action for the marks. It is interesting for many businesses, particularly as they come under financial pressure with economic downturns and slowdowns. There is a genuine benefit to businesses to look at these intangible assets and realize that they can slim down a portfolio and do so in a way that brings in revenue. Most IP professionals we have spoken to have said they are frequently asked by clients what can be done with now unwanted trademarks, and they have had no alternatives but their renew or lapse options until now. Occasional adverts for selling marks appear infrequently and in odd places, but we now provide a clear standalone focal point for sellers and buyers. We have special packages in place for IP professionals to act on behalf of their clients and manage to process for them while still being able to generate their own fees and give both owner and advisor the best deal possible. We are slowly getting the message out there to people and have had some success, with some IP professionals who are now integrating this in their approach to trademark holders when renewal approaches, do you wish to renew, let lapse or list for sale? and it is excellent for everyone that trademark holders now have an active and beneficial alternative to consider. What inspired you to come up with such an idea? We also run Ekara, a successful IP investigation company, and we've been involved in IP support services for around 25 years. Throughout that time, we've been involved in the acquisition of IP as one of our services, approaching an owner of a mark or domain name as a third party and negotiating the best price to acquire it before passing it on to our client. 
This is a bespoke and complex buyer-driven process, and we've been involved in several acquisitions that became very high-profile marks or brands. Redcoin is the flip side of this. Rather than going to a sole holder of a mark on behalf of a client, we thought it would be great if the holders of trademarks had an alternative easy option when it came to selling marks and could do it all on a safe and secure platform. It chimed with another query we got from time to time, IP representatives often rang us to ask if we knew anyone in the market for buying a mark. We've also had direct experience working with tech IP services, and it's clear that the IP sector is looking for more SaaS solutions to manage portfolios. Once we had all the pieces in place, it seemed too good an idea and an opportunity to waste. Has much changed for you since you launched? Yes. The system has already grown hugely, for a start, and we have more than doubled the territories where we can offer listings. This was partly driven by holding this year's INTA conference in Singapore. We decided early that we would exhibit, so it accelerated the plan to offer trademark listings in Asia. From our initial European focus, we have now added most of Asia, Australia, New Zealand and North America to the platform so we can hold our heads up high in Singapore and say that their trademarks and those of their neighbours can also be included on the site. If any brand owners or IP professionals from anywhere in the world want to see the platform in action, they are more than welcome to book a demo or pop along to booth Y09 at the Sands Exhibition Centre. Your branding is very striking. I am sure your exhibition stand will be vibrant at this year's annual meeting. When you have a name like Redcoin IP, there is only one colour to go for. With red being a lucky colour in some parts of Asia, including Singapore, we feel this conference could bring us good fortune, success and happiness. White is our other main colour, and in Singapore, it signifies pervading and everlasting purity and virtue, and we hope that the Redcoin IP platform will adhere to those qualities in Singapore and all our business. What is the roadmap for Redcoin IP's future? What you see now is not a finished product, it is only phase one, we have big plans for the platform going forward. Trademark sales are only the first step in the journey. We have a growth plan for the platform that extends over the next three years, which will widen and deepen our service offering with more areas of IP, more features than just buying and selling and, of course, global coverage. We are very excited about what lies in store for the company and where we will drive the platform in the future. Thank you both for talking to us today. We wish you and the new platform all the best for the future. To find out more about Redcoin IP, you can visit them at Booth Y09 at the Sands Convention Center during the INTA conference or visit their website at www.redcoinip.com. Page 24. Advertisement. Redcoin IP. A platform to buy and sell registered trademarks. Montice your old IP, recycle your old or unwanted trademarks, secure platform and payment system simple commission structure, discounted rates for IP representatives by pre-registered trademarks. INT attendees, for a demo or a chat come and find us at booth Y09. Redcoinip.com forward slash INTA 2023. Page 25. Empowering the future of IP in Anguilla and the Caribbean is exclusively sponsored by Complete Intellectual Property Services in Anguilla. Page 26. 
Article. The beneficial link between artificial intelligence and IP protection in the Caribbean island of Anguilla, AI. Ari, an AI. Written by Keisha Fleming Lake, Managing Attorney at Complete Intellectual Property Services, Anguilla. Anguilla is a small English-speaking territory in the Caribbean. Anguilla remains part of the British Overseas Territories. The island is known for its attractive tourism features and is a household name for tourists who desire to travel to a high-end destination that is peaceful and safe. With the emergence of artificial intelligence, AI, Anguilla is becoming well known for another feature that I will cover in this article. A feature that I predict will have an impact on the IP legislative framework in Anguilla and IP protection in Anguilla. About Anguilla. Anguilla is the most northerly island in the eastern Caribbean islands chain, bordering the Caribbean Sea to the south and the Atlantic Ocean to the north and east. At just 91 square kilometer. 35 square miles, with around 15,000 inhabitants, it is one of the smallest islands in the eastern Caribbean territories in terms of size and population. The island is mostly known for its white sandy beaches, crystal clear water, luxurious resorts, friendly people, and exquisite cuisine. Anguilla, being a popular tourist destination, especially among the rich and famous population of the world, attracts a certain level of attention and brings a wide spectrum of visitors to its shores. Anguilla's economy is based on tourism and, to a much lesser extent, the offshore financial services industry. Its culture is laid back and rich in music, arts and food. While Anguilla shares the features that most Caribbean destinations have, making it an equally attractive destination to vacationers, the sudden and unstoppable surge of AI to the forefront of technological advancement makes Anguilla attractive for another reason. But what sets Anguilla apart with the emergence of AI? And how does the growing interest and development of AI have any relationship to Anguilla? Can this in any way impact IP protection in Anguilla? AI and Anguilla AI stands for artificial intelligence, and AI is also the country code for Anguilla. Unsurprisingly, Ari is Anguilla's internet domain identifier. The Ari internet domain extension is unique to Anguilla, and websites wishing to use the Ari domain extension must obtain the domain name from Anguilla's governing internet authority. The Ari domain has gained popularity as many companies in the technology and artificial intelligence space have chosen to use. RE domains for their websites. This creates significant awareness of the existence of Anguilla and the role that an association with a RE domain name can play in the establishment of companies and any new and cutting-edge technology being created using AI. While this use of RE is unrelated to the geographical location of Anguilla, it has become a hub for technology and innovation in recent years. Startups and tech companies have been using Ari as part of their domain name. The increase in the use of Ari as part of an organization's web address brings a linked increase in the need for IP protection on this island. This popularity creates a need for brand owners to ensure their brand is properly protected in Anguilla. Technological developments should go so far as to include Ari as part of its name and protect the IP within this jurisdiction. The 
RE Top Level Domain, TLD, is controlled and managed by an Anguillian authority that registers and administers domain names under the RETLD in accordance with its established policies and guidelines for the use of the RE domain. While the RETLD is not limited to companies and organizations based in Anguilla and can be applied for by all and sundry, it is associated with the island territory. It can help promote Anguilla as a hub for innovation and technology. RE. RE, and AI. The acronyms AI and RE are the same but, obviously, stand for different things. Given the emerging use of AI, they both overlap in the minds of business owners, technology developers, inventors, and brand owners. AI, artificial intelligence is the development of computer systems that can perform tasks that typically require human intelligence. On the other hand, RE is a top-level domain, TLD, on the internet that is specific to Anguilla. It is managed by the Anguilla Network Information Center, ANIC, responsible for registering and administering domain names under the RETLD. The fact that RETLD shares the same acronym for artificial intelligence is a significant coincidental benefit to Anguilla. For some, RE was originally intended for use by companies, persons, and technologies related to artificial intelligence, AI. However, the RETLD is also being used by businesses and persons who want to be affiliated with Anguilla for one reason or another. Incidentally, well before AI, as in artificial intelligence, became common usage in the lexicon or would have arrived on the radar of Anguilla's local government, Anguilla sought to market its RETLD in Asian, specifically Japanese, circles because RE roughly translates to love in Japanese. Now, in a serendipitous stroke of fortune for Anguilla and its online presence and reputation that the island territory could not have foreseen when it was awarded the RETLD, the island territories. RETLD is powerfully attractive to the entire global AI technology ecosystem. To add icing to the cake, AI is also Anguilla's international country code name, most often seen in its postcode. About AI, the intelligence acronym. AI, or artificial intelligence, is being used in almost every industry around the world, including healthcare, manufacturing, finance, and transportation. For the general public, Ari's rapidly advancing development in the area of self-driving vehicles on public roads is probably its most commonly thought of application. It is predicted that many industries will be revolutionized through the automation of certain duties and tasks in an effort to increase the level of efficiency and production. AI can achieve this through the development of computer systems to perform tasks that have in the past required human intelligence, such as visual perception, speech recognition, decision-making, and language translation. Images, text, and sensory data are used to train machine learning algorithms. They can be applied to a wide range of tasks, from image recognition and natural language processing to self-driving cars and personalized recommendations. Critics and skeptics have pointed out that the increased use of AI can result in job displacement, bias in decision-making, and privacy violations. However, as AI continues to grow and expand, while these issues are addressed, 
the emergence of intellectual property from its use is guaranteed. About. RE. The. RE domain is a TLD specific to Anguilla. The use of the. RE domain can help promote the development and growth of AI and related technologies. The. RE domain has gained popularity due to its association with innovation and cutting-edge technology. It can help businesses and organizations. While the RE domain is specific to Anguilla, it can be registered and used by businesses and individuals around the world. This can help facilitate global reach and access to new markets for businesses operating in the tech industry. Inventors and brand owners who are introducing cutting-edge technology to the market can benefit from the use of the RE domain in association with its technology, products, or services. The use of RE as part of its brand can help businesses and organizations establish a unique online presence and build credibility around what they are offering. The RE domain is a unique and versatile TLD that can be used by a wide range of businesses and organizations, particularly those involved in the fields of technology and innovation. Intellectual property protection in Anguilla. IP protection in Anguilla is based on laws and regulations designed to protect the rights of creators and inventors. The legislative framework consists of the following. Trademarks Act. R. S.A. C.T. 30. Patents Act, R.S.A. C.P. 15. Copyright Act, R.S.A. C.C. 120. And. Industrial Designs Act, R.S.A. C.I. 11. Geographical Indications Act, R.S.A. C.G. 4. These laws combined provide a comprehensive framework for the protection and enforcement of IP rights in Anguilla, including remedies for IP infringement. Once a trademark is registered, the trademark owner can take legal action against any unauthorized use of the trademark in Anguilla. Similarly, patents can be registered, providing protection from infringement for inventions and innovations for a set period of time. Copyright Act provides a range of exclusive rights to copyright owners, including the right to reproduce, distribute, and publicly perform their works. Designs can also be registered at the Intellectual Property Office, providing protection for the appearance of a product, such as a shape or color scheme. What role could RE play in the future for IP protection in Anguilla? The RE domain could play a significant role in the future of intellectual property, IP, protection in Anguilla. As a top-level domain specific to Anguilla, it could be used by brand owners and developers to establish a more recognizable online presence for businesses and individuals operating within the RE domain. One potential application of the RE domain for IP protection could be through the use of trademark registrations. The local intellectual property office can offer a convenient registration process, to its benefit, by linking the domain name registration process with opportunities for trademark registration. Trademarks are important for protecting a company's brand and reputation, and by using a RE domain name that matches their registered trademark, businesses can help prevent others from infringing on their intellectual property rights online. The 
RE Domain has the potential to become an important tool for IP protection in Anguilla, especially as more businesses and individuals begin to recognize its unique value and potential benefits. Predictions on AI and AI impacting Anguilla AI is global and expanding at a very fast rate. The number of entities with AI as their focus or key business is almost certainly growing. Having RE in their domain names will attract attention to their businesses and help lead their potential customer bases to identify them as playing a role in the development and utilization of AI. Entities operating in the AI ecosystem have ready access to the use of RE in their internet identities and have to take steps to purchase their RE domain names from Anguilla, through ANIC, hence leading them to take further steps to protect their IP in Anguilla. Anguilla benefits from the publicity it gains from these actions and the substantial increase in revenue that it would expect to gain from the purchase and ongoing retention of RE domain names and governmental tax revenues gained from the likely significant increase in IP protection efforts. It is truly a win-win situation for AI Ventures and Anguilla. Page 29. Article. EU resources boost the Caribbean intellectual property environment. Written by Natalie E. Glitzen Hern Augustine, legal practitioner at Glitz Law, St. Lucia. In keeping with the framework of the Economic Partnership Agreement, EPA, the European Union Intellectual Property Office, EUIPO, has been actively working to strengthen the intellectual property, IP, rights environment in the Caribbean region, particularly to support local businesses that trade their products across borders. In this article, we will explore how the EUIPO is helping to protect the rights of Caribbean businesses and why this is crucial for their growth and development. It's useful to remind ourselves of the role of intellectual property rights in the Caribbean region, the legal protections granted to individuals and businesses for their creations, such as inventions, trademarks, and designs. These protections allow creators to control how their work is used and to derive financial benefits from it. In the Caribbean, a strong intellectual property rights framework is essential for businesses that rely on their intellectual property assets to compete in the global marketplace. However, the intellectual property rights environment in the Caribbean is not always well established. Some countries in the region lack the resources and infrastructure to effectively protect and enforce IP rights. This can create a challenging environment for local businesses, particularly those that trade their products across borders within the Caribbean and beyond. To address these challenges, the EUIPO has been working with Caribbean governments and stakeholders to strengthen the IP rights environment in the region through the Cariforum Intellectual Property Rights and Innovation CRIPI, project. Through this association, the EUIPO has provided technical assistance and capacity-building activities to support the development of IP laws, regulations, and enforcement mechanisms. This includes training workshops, seminars, and expert missions to share best practices and build local expertise. One example of the EUIPO's work in the Caribbean is the recent launch of a regional IP database. The Caribbean Intellectual Property Office Network CPNET, database is a collaborative platform allowing Caribbean businesses and IP offices to search for and register trademarks and designs across multiple jurisdictions. 
This can help businesses protect their intellectual property assets more effectively and reduce the risk of infringement. Another project saw the launch of a new online multilingual consultation tool, Caribbean Team at Glass, which allows access to the lists of terms accepted as suitable to identify goods and services for the purposes of the registration of marks by the thus far 8, 8, participating Caribbean IP office territories, being Antigua and Barbuda, Belize, Cuba, the Dominican Republic, St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Lucia, Trinidad and Tobago and St. Vincent and the Grenadines. As the tool allows access to over 78,000 terms that applicants can use to describe the goods and services they seek to protect, being online, this will reduce the likelihood of inconsistency across the region. The global pandemic saw a rise in the number of cottage industries where persons tapped into their hidden skills to produce food, cosmetics, and other household items or hone their talents to provide much-needed entertainment and services. This resulted in a rise in online trade as these goods and services utilized online business platforms to market and sell their products and brands. But as we all know, once something is made available online on an e-commerce platform or even more simply on Instagram or Facebook, it is open for anyone anywhere to see, copy and adopt. How easy it now is to duplicate a product intricately crafted somewhere on the other side of the Caribbean Sea and pass it off as one's own creation in the local market. Imagine the surprise if, when surfing the internet, a mango soap branded Sabin SD. Lizzie, the Creole name for Saint Lucia, said to be manufactured from locally grown ingredients is the number one soap being marketed and sold in Cuba. Where does that leave the actual SD? Lucian Original Producer? The EUIPO's efforts to strengthen the IP rights environment in the Caribbean have significant benefits for local businesses. By protecting their intellectual property assets, businesses can safeguard their reputation, brand image, and market position. They can also increase their competitiveness by ensuring competitors do not copy their innovations and designs. This can help to spur innovation and economic growth in the region. In conclusion, the EUIPO's work to strengthen the intellectual property rights environment in the Caribbean is an important step towards supporting local businesses that trade their products across borders. By providing technical assistance and capacity-building activities, the EUIPO is helping to create a more robust and effective IP framework that benefits businesses and economies in the region. Page 31. The Women's IP World Bite Size segment is sponsored by Dumont in Mexico. Your ideas, our business. Page 32. Advertisement. Dumont, your ideas, our business. Your trusted IP advisor in Mexico. Your ideas protected. Dumont.mx. Page 33. Article. There is still so much work to do. Written by Laura Coleda, Managing Partner at Dumont, Mexico. Legal education has a long history dating back to ancient Greece and Rome. In Athens, for example, law was taught through public speeches and debates, while in Rome, there were schools of law known as schools of jurisprudence. However, the first university-level law school in the world was founded in Bologna, Italy, in the 11th century. The University of Bologna offered civil and canon law courses and became a model for other law schools established throughout Europe in the following centuries. 
Today, legal education is offered by universities and law schools all over the world, and many of them have a long and distinguished history in teaching the law. The first woman to study law is a matter of debate, as several women throughout history are credited with being the first to pursue legal studies. However, one of the most well-known early female law students was Myra Bradwell. Myra Bradwell was an American lawyer and publisher who was born in 1831. She applied to the Illinois Bar in 1869, but her application was rejected on the grounds that women were not considered persons under the law. Bradwell challenged the decision all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, but unfortunately, her case was dismissed. Despite this setback, Bradwell continued to work as a legal publisher and advocate for women's rights. She founded the Chicago Legal News, which became an important resource for lawyers and judges in Illinois, and she was also active in the suffrage movement. Bradwell's efforts paved the way for other women to pursue legal studies and enter the legal profession in the years that followed. In the United States in the 1800s, women were not considered persons under the law because of the prevailing legal doctrine of coverture. Coverture was a legal principle that held that a woman's legal rights and obligations were subsumed by those of her husband upon marriage. Under coverture, women were not allowed to own property, enter into contracts, or even make decisions about their own bodies without their husband's permission. They were also not allowed to vote or hold public office. This legal doctrine was based on the belief that men and women had different roles in society, with men being seen as the primary providers and protectors while women were seen as homemakers and childbearers. This patriarchal view of society was deeply ingrained in American culture and the legal system at the time. It was not until the women's rights movement of the 19th and 20th centuries that these legal inequalities began to be challenged and overturned. Yes, coverture was a legal principle that originated in medieval England and was also present in other European countries. It was based on the idea of patriarchy, which held that the husband was the head of the household and had legal authority over his wife and children. Under coverture, a woman's legal rights and responsibilities were subsumed by those of her husband upon marriage. This meant she could not own property, make contracts, or sue or be sued in her name. She also had no legal right to custody of her children, and any property she inherited or earned became her husband's property. Coverture remained a part of English and European law until the 19th century when it began to be challenged by women's rights activists and legal reformers. Today, most countries have abolished coverture and have laws that provide equal legal rights to men and women. There are no countries that still have coverture as a legal principle. The concept of coverture was abolished in most countries during the 19th and 20th centuries as part of the women's rights movement and legal reforms aimed at providing equal legal rights to men and women. Today, most countries have laws that guarantee equal legal rights to men and women, including the right to own property, enter contracts, and make decisions about their bodies and lives. Some countries may still have laws or cultural practices that discriminate against women. Still, these are generally recognized as violations of human rights and are subject to legal and social challenges. The first woman to practice law in the United States was Arabella Mansfield. She was admitted to the Iowa Bar in 1869, becoming the first woman to be granted a license to practice law in the United States. 
However, Mansfield faced significant obstacles in her legal career due to her gender. Despite her qualifications and experience, she was often excluded from professional organizations and faced discrimination from male colleagues and judges. Nevertheless, Mansfield persisted in her legal career, working as a teacher and lawyer and helping to pave the way for other women to enter the legal profession. It is worth noting that some women before Arabella Mansfield had practiced law informally without being officially admitted to the bar. For example, Belva Lockwood, who later became the first woman to argue a case before the U.S. Supreme Court in 1880, had been practicing law and representing clients since the early 1860s but was only officially admitted to the bar in 1873. The first European woman to practice law was Elena Lucrezia Cornaro Piscopia. She was born in Venice, Italy, in 1646 and was a brilliant scholar who became the first woman in the world to receive a doctoral degree. Elena Piscopia was interested in law and philosophy and studied both subjects extensively at the University of Padua. In 1678, she was awarded a doctorate in canon law, becoming the first woman in Europe to receive a doctorate in any field. After completing her studies, she became a respected scholar and intellectual, and she was known for her proficiency in multiple languages, including Latin, Greek, Hebrew, and Arabic. She also became a member of various learned societies and academies throughout Europe. Her legal career was not as extensive as her academic pursuits, she is considered a pioneer for women in law and a trailblazer for women in academia and intellectual life. The first Mexican woman to practice law was Maria Asuncion Sandoval. She was born in Mexico in 1862 and became interested in law and social justice at a young age. In 1892, she enrolled in the Escuela Nacional de Jurisprudencia, the law school of the National Autonomous University of Mexico and earned her law degree in 1898. Her legal career was groundbreaking for women in Mexico and helped to pave the way for other women to enter the legal profession. She was also a prominent figure in the broader struggle for social justice and equality in Mexico, and her legacy continues to inspire generations of Mexican women today. Today, women make up a significant portion of law school classes and the legal profession. In recent years, women have accounted for around half of all law school graduates in the United States. The number of women in leadership positions in the legal profession has steadily increased. In Europe, the timeline for when women were admitted to law schools varied by country and institution. However, it is generally true that women were admitted to law schools in Europe later than in the United States. For example, in the United Kingdom, the first woman to be admitted to a law school was Eliza Olmy, who enrolled at University College London in 1878. In France, the first woman to earn a law degree was Jean Chauvin, who graduated from the University of Paris in 1900. In Germany, women were first admitted to law schools in 1908, when the University of Berlin began accepting female students. Despite these early advances, women still faced significant discrimination and barriers in the legal profession throughout much of Europe. In the latter half of the 20th century, significant progress was made in advancing women's rights and opportunities in the legal profession across Europe. 
Overall, it is important to note that progress towards gender equality and the admission of women to law schools and other educational programs is ongoing. There is still much work to be done in many countries and institutions to ensure equal opportunities for all students. There is still a significant gap between women and men lawyers worldwide regarding equal pay, partnership, and other aspects of the legal profession. Despite gains made in recent years, women continue to face significant barriers and discrimination in the legal profession, particularly at the highest levels. One of the most significant areas where this gap is evident is the number of women who reach partnership or other leadership positions in law firms. According to a 2020 report by the American Bar Association, women accounted for just 22% of equity partners in U.S. Law firms, despite comprising roughly half of all law school graduates and associates. Similar disparities exist in many other countries as well. In addition to the lack of representation in leadership positions, women lawyers face challenges in terms of equal pay and opportunities for advancement. Women are often paid less than their male counterparts for the same work and may be less likely to receive promotions or other career advancement opportunities. Overall, while progress has been made in recent years towards greater gender equality in the legal profession, there is still much work to be done to address these disparities and ensure equal opportunities and treatment for all lawyers, regardless of gender. The pay gap between women and men partners in the legal profession can vary widely depending on the country, region, and specific practice area. However, studies have consistently shown that women partners are paid less than their male counterparts on average. In the United States, for example, a 2020 National Association of Women Lawyers survey found that female partners in law firms earned, on average, just 80% of what male partners earned. Similarly, a 2018 survey by the American Bar Association found that female equity partners earned, on average, just 70% of what male equity partners earned. In the United Kingdom, a 2020 study by the Law Society found that female partners earned, on average, 24% less than male partners. In Australia, a 2019 report by the Workplace Gender Equality Agency found that women partners earned, on average, just 70% of what male partners earned. It is important to note that these are averages, and significant variation exists between individual law firms and practice areas. However, the consistent pattern of women partners earning less than men partners suggests a significant pay gap that needs to be addressed in the legal profession. Page 36. Advertisement. The Women's IP World Annual, 2024. Join the industry's leading number one annual publication celebrating the works and achievements of women working in IP, IP law and innovation. Profiles, articles, rankings, accolades, experience, achievements and knowledge share. www.womensipworld.com Page 37. Article. Emerging Technology and Its Impact on Brands. Written by Mr. Anshul Sunil Saurastri, Advocate and Patent Attorney and Ms. Prieta Panthaki, Advocate at Krishna and Saurastri Associates, India. Technological changes in an increasingly connected world continue to shape consumer behavior and impact the way we purchase and engage with brands. These changes represent risks and opportunities.
To keep up, brand owners must analyze, embrace, and exploit. Here we provide insight into recent developments and their impact on trademarks. Metaverse. Trademark owners face unique challenges from augmented reality, AR, and virtual reality, VR, technology called the metaverse, a virtual world where users, via avatars, can engage in various activities. This rapidly evolving concept has prompted brands to reassess marketing and engagement strategies. Brand owners must focus on coining brands for goods and services developed specifically for the virtual world, expanding existing trademark registrations to cover virtual counterparts of physical goods, and understanding the nuances of enforcement in the virtual world. Since it is still debated whether physical goods classes will cover virtual ones, brands may struggle to assess their existing portfolios. Hence they may need to establish separate rights for virtual goods by filing fresh applications in several classes. Since classification is difficult, specifications are inconsistent, and trademark offices may struggle to examine applications. Therefore, trademark protection remains an immediate challenge. In the medium term, brands may likely encounter increasing instances of bad faith applications and squatting. In the long term, brands may face unique trademark conflicts that violate real-world trademark laws, which are likely to test the scope of trademark protection and adequacy of trademark law in the digital age. Blockchain to fight counterfeits Counterfeit goods have always been a serious problem for brand owners. Fundamental challenges have been associated with tampering and forging of data. An approach with huge potential to tackle this menace is blockchain, along with smart tags like QR codes or NFC chips. By exploiting blockchain's essential features of accuracy, efficiency, security, and transparency, brands could solve a billion-dollar problem. Since each good will have a unique tag, each transaction pertaining to such good can be uploaded to the blockchain, thereby creating a tamper-proof and credible digital footprint of the movement of such good from raw material to the retail shelf. This may make it easier for brands to authenticate, track or trace and gain more valuable insight regarding their supply chains. E-commerce, latching on. E-commerce marketplaces continue to struggle with counterfeits. To add to the burden, a unique issue was presided over by the Delhi High Court, where Flipkart, an e-commerce marketplace, was accused of permitting and facilitating trademark infringement and passing off by permitting third-party sellers from using a latching on a feature. Through this feature, when sellers wish to place listings in a specific product category, they are recommended bestseller products and are enticed to latch onto product listings by adding them to their listings page. Through this feature, the sellers were permitted unauthorized use of the plaintiff's product photographs and trademarks. Aggrieved, the plaintiff complained that the use of the latching on feature constituted trademark and copyright infringement and passing off. In its ruling, the Delhi High Court described latching on as a mode of encashing upon the reputation of another entity. Point one and held that the same amounts to taking unfair advantage of the goodwill residing in a brand. While holding Flipkart and a group of retailers liable for passing off, the court observed that the advent of e-commerce has created various challenges to the protection of intellectual property rights. An action for passing off, which was traditionally restricted to products having similar logos, marks, names and labels in the real world, now has a new dimension in the context of e-commerce. 
Hence, Flipkart was directed to disable the latching-on feature in respect of the present plaintiff. Flipkart preferred an appeal before a division bench, which has temporarily stayed the single judge's order. Online scams With the increase in social media usage, scamsters are targeting innocent customers by abusing famous brands, thereby causing monetary and reputational losses to both owners and their customers. It is essential to understand the modus operandi to develop countermeasures. Some common forms of brand abuse include email impersonation, profile hacking, use of phishing accounts, hashtag hijacking, prizes and giveaway scams, job scams, use of shortened or hidden URLs, offering of non-existent goods, etc. Extraterritorial trademark law. Traditionally, trademark law has extended to defined territories. However, the Delhi High Court recently restrained a UK-based entity from unauthorizedly using an Indian party's registered trademark.2 since the defendant had no physical presence within India, a single judge declined interim relief for lack of extraterritorial jurisdiction. However, in the appeal, the division bench ruled that there were sufficient indicators to assume jurisdiction for deciding the injunction application. Hence, with the growth of worldwide and online commerce, the concept of extraterritorial application of trademark law might be an emerging issue. However, one must remain cautious and monitor the evolving jurisprudence internationally and the potential pitfalls of this development. Page 39. Advertisement. Krishna and Sor Astri Associates LLP. Krishna and Sor Astri Associates LLP is a full-service intellectual property and technology law firm focused on rendering business-friendly legal advice. The firm was formed in 1992 and merged with a law practice set up in 1956. Ever since the firm has been navigating complex intellectual property and techno-legal issues for its diverse client base. To keep pace with the growth of its business and be ever-present for its clients, the firm has about 170 people spread across offices in the major economic centers of Mumbai, New Delhi, Bengaluru, Pune, Ahmedabad and Chennai. The firm represents clients from all major industries and sectors. The firm's team includes specialists with niche expertise and industry experience, which is leveraged to provide clients maximum value from legal counseling. Additionally, most of the firm's professionals have formative degrees in natural sciences, engineering, arts or business, prior to qualifying as lawyers, which is useful while navigating complex intellectual property and techno-legal issues. Over the years, the firm has been ranked among the top-tier Indian intellectual property and technology law firms consistently by leading domestic and international publications. Patents Trademarks and geographical indications Designs Copyrights Mergers and acquisitions, technology transfer, licensing, franchising, joint ventures. Litigations and arbitration. Plant varieties. Biodiversity. Competition laws. International trade laws. Regulatory issues. Food, drug and medical device laws. Media advertising, broadcasting, and information technology laws. Anti-counterfeiting. Customs and Border Enforcement Page 40 Advertisement Patworld is an innovative and cost-effective patent search tool developed by specialists to meet the needs of the industry. 
The core of PatWorld centers around an intuitive search form, providing you with all the tools required to extract and analyze the results you need from over 115 million indexed patent documents, covering multiple territories and languages. We have drawn on over 100 years of combined patent searching experience to develop tools and features that allow you to archive the most from your searches. Simple to use, customize view, save search history, share folders, language translation tool, flexible payment options. Email for further info. Your access to the world of patents. Search 115 plus million patent documents. Head Office UK. Email sales at patworld.com. North America Office. Email salesna at patworld.com www.patworld.com Page 41 Article Disclaimer Images relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital online versions of the Global IP Matrix magazine. Sodium Ions, Powering the Battery Revolution Written by Daniel D.I. Francesco, Intellectual Property Manager at Patworld, UK Author Bio Daniel D.I. Francesco is an intellectual property manager at PatWorld. He is an expert in undertaking patent searches, including for freedom to operate, patentability and invalidity, covering all types of subject matter with a specialism in the chemical field. Introduction Batteries are a key component in our daily lives, from cars to remote controls, it is hard to stray far from technology utilizing a battery for its power source. For many years the standard in this field has been the lithium-ion battery, however, there are now a variety of alternatives aiming to overthrow lithium's dominance, with sodium-ion batteries seen as a leading contender. Background Sodium-ion batteries were developed almost alongside their lithium-ion counterpart in the 1970s, both operating under the same principles of reversible reduction of their respective metal ions to store and release energy. As lithium demonstrated better commercial promise, the interest in the development of sodium-ion batteries subsided. However, since the early 2010s, sodium-ion batteries have received renewed interest due to increasing costs associated with lithium-ion battery raw materials and their high environmental impact. This article will explore the patent landscape surrounding sodium-ion batteries using PatWorld, a global patent search database. Method a dataset was generated by searching keywords identifying sodium-ion batteries, including synonyms such as NIB, SIB, cells, and accumulators, as well as utilizing sodium keywords within the H01M10054, accumulators with insertion or intercalation of metals other than lithium, e.g. with magnesium or aluminium classification. Patents applications were analyzed using PatWorld software to generate the charts and graphs used in the report. Filing trends. Although initially developed in the 1970s, the use of sodium-ion batteries could be viewed as an emerging field, with nominal filings being seen prior to 2006. The field witnesses sustained significant growth in the years following 2012, figure point one. However, the number of patent families indicates that this field is still in its infancy, especially when compared to lithium-ion batteries, NB. 
Priority filings from 2021 and 2022 were not included as these figures may be inaccurate due to applications yet to be published claiming priority in these years. Figure point 1, earliest priority year vs the number of patent families for sodium ion batteries. Figure 2 depicts a pie chart of the top CPC classifications in the area. Y02E6010, energy storage using batteries appears to be the most prevalent classification, followed by H01M10054, accumulators with insertion or intercalation of metals other than lithium, e.g., magnesium or aluminium. There are also several classifications from within H01M400, electrodes, indicating that a key area of innovation is in the selection of active materials for the battery's electrodes. Assany and territory analysis. Figure point 3 reflects the publication, application territories and the density of patents filed therein, this chart excludes EPO and WO applications. China has the most significant number of publications, followed by the US. Publications are not overly specific to one geographic region, with a range of territories having small portfolios in this area. China's active involvement in this field is highlighted in that mass production of sodium ion batteries is already underway in partnership with a company owned by the Chinese state. Figure point 3, Publication, Application Territory Map. Figure point 4 depicts a funnel graph of the top 10 assignees in this field. As expected from the territory map, a majority are based within China, with Japanese and American companies also featuring. UniShuangxi Science and Tech hold the largest portfolio, followed by UniCentral South, two of the six academic institutions featured. Notable companies include Japanese conglomerate Sumitomo and motor corporation Toyota, which may point towards the potential development of these batteries for use in vehicles, US 201405097 4A1, Toyota. Figure point 4, Top 10 Assignees. Overcoming Limitations. Although sodium offers the key advantage of being more abundant than lithium, and their batteries are generally considered safer due to the minimized risk of overheating, there are still a variety of challenges to overcome before we can expect to see sodium ion batteries holding a key stake in the market. Whilst they have the potential to offer similar energy density as lithium ion batteries, typically 100 to 265 WH kilogram, development has yet to reach the point of equality between the two. Sodium ion batteries currently under production by CATL boast an energy density of 160 WH K. However, a recent publication, CN1154252962 a Chen Ben, claims to have overcome this issue by utilizing an all-solid-state sodium-ion battery to produce an energy density of 370 to 390 WH kilogram. Sodium-ion batteries have a significantly slower charge-discharge rate, which makes them unsuitable for applications which require the power to be delivered quickly such as in the fast-growing electric vehicles field. It has been claimed that through the use of specific raw materials, including Chitosun-modified carbon nanotubes, in the positive electrode, a high-rate sodium-ion battery could be produced, CN1150207098A, Guangxi Liangjin Energy. While lithium-ion batteries have a typical lifespan of 300 to 500 charge cycles, 
their sodium counterparts have a much more limited number of charge cycles before degradation begins to occur. By producing a positive electrode of the general formula Nani 0.5, XMN 0.3 T 0.2 SBXO2, it is claimed the resulting battery would have a high cycle stability, with a cycle curve of 200 cycles being tested, CN 11558 a Chinese PLA Rocket Force Engineering University. Summary it is clear from the patent data that sodium-ion batteries are a growing technology area, with a specific focus on their development coming from China. Key assignees are primarily academic institutes, although the involvement of large companies such as Toyota points to the perceived importance of the field from a commercial standpoint. There is still some way to go to catch up to lithium-ion batteries in terms of performance, with steps towards their solution already underway. If these drawbacks can be overcome and the manufacturing chain efficiently scaled up, we may soon see lithium-ion batteries facing serious competition in everyday applications. Page 44. Advertisement. The Global IP Matrix Magazine. IP News Direct from industry thought leaders. Analysis reports on innovation, IP trends, legislation, IP strategy, trademark law, patent law, copyright law, brand protection, trade secrets, plus much more. Contact us today to share your industry news stories. Email info at gipmatrix.com or call plus 44-0203-813-0457. www.gipmatrix.com Page 45 Conference Corner Segment Cover Page Conference Corner 2023 Voices of the Associations This segment is for the IP event organizations and associations that we have media partnerships with worldwide. We are offering them the floor to keep you, our audience, up to date with future events and IP conference trends throughout the year so you never miss any of these important events and seminars internationally. Karina Gomez, ECTA First Vice President, ECTA Program Committee Chair, BE. Guillaume Henry, Second Deputy Reporter General, AIPPI. The Global IP Matrix Magazine, Official Media Partners. Contact. For 2023 Conference Media Partnerships contact, info at gipmatrix.com. Page 46. Advertisement. The Women's IP World Podcast. Hosted by Michelle S. Katz, founding partner at Advitam IP, LLC. Tune into your host Michelle Katz on the Women's IP World Podcast Season 3 throughout 2023. Expect some influential women leaders to join Michelle as a guest throughout the year who have made an impactful stamp on the intellectual property industry. Listen online at www.womensipworld.com or on your favorite podcast app. Celebrating women who work in IP, IP law and innovation. Page 47. Article. It's time to register for the ECTA 41st Annual Conference, Explore the Magic of IP in Prague. Written by Karina Gomez, ECTA First Vice President, ECTA Program Committee Chair, BE. Author bio, Karina Gomez is ECTA's first vice president and partner at Wigan LLP's Brussels office. Her practice covers trademark portfolio management and litigation regarding intellectual property rights, 
including trademarks and designs. Carina has extensive experience regarding customs counterfeit seizures and regularly advises on matters of advertising and unfair market practices. Since qualifying, she has worked on a number of high-profile cases, representing clients including Solvay, Philips, Supergroup, Pfizer, Procter & Gamble and Walters Kluwer. Another extraordinary ECTA conference is coming up on 28 1 June-July 2023 in Prague, the city of magic. You will have the opportunity to network with hundreds of IP colleagues worldwide, meet remarkable speakers, and catch up with ECTA friends. The program includes instructive sessions on the latest case law and IP trends, tailored workshops for young practitioners, exciting gatherings in the hottest spots, and Saturday excursions as the cherry on top. Are you new to the ECTA conference? Long-standing members will welcome you at the first-time attendee reception ECTA at a glance. The ECTA annual conference is one of the premier intellectual property gatherings held for the first time in 1986 and is now a must-attend event for up to 900 IP colleagues from around the world. After the success of last year's memorable conference in Copenhagen, we look forward to exploring the magic of IP in Prague, a city steeped in the alchemical arts, for the 41st ECTA annual conference. You can count on the usual friendly atmosphere of the ECTA family and a distinctive program where everyone will find something of interest. Let me give you a sneak peek. On Wednesday, the 28th of June, we kickstart with committee meetings, for committee members only, where impactful IP projects are worked on, updates on the latest case law are provided, and legislative and policy developments are discussed. ECTA committees are the backbone of our association and an invaluable opportunity to cooperate with numerous professionals and stay updated in your IP area of interest. If you wish to become more active in the ECTA community, don't miss out and meet committee leaders at the committee booth during the conference. On the same day, after the ECTA Supervisory Board's exchange on more strategic aspects of our association, you are all invited to attend the workshop on domain name and trademark abuse and enjoy the welcome reception at Palace Sofin on the scenic Slavyansk, Slavic, island. Thursday, the 29th of June, will be the first of two immersive educational and networking days on the most relevant topics on the European IP agenda. We will look closely at the latest IP news and trends and what are the current forces driving the world of IP. We will take a magic carpet ride through the online world, be enlightened on what is contained in the long-awaited EU design reform package, and be given tricks and spells to tackle counterfeiting. After heated discussions, newcomers are invited to raise a glass at ECTA at a glance, a dedicated reception where long-standing members will bring them up to speed with ECTA activities and share their experience on getting the most out of the conference. The day will conclude with a gourmet taste of Czech cuisine and beers at the Red Stag in downtown Prague. On Friday, the 30th of June, with parallel sessions, we will double the morning's educational offer and young practitioners are particularly invited to attend the session about the superpower of brands in sports. Experts will also take us through the alchemy of non-agri-GIs, the works of applied arts, and geographical names as trademarks in light of the recent Iceland and Andorra cases. 
We will then cross the lines into dark magic in a comparative session with the US on trademark applications made in bad faith and trademarks contrary to public policy or accepted principles of morality. To wrap up, the announcement by the ECTA president of the ECTA Award 2022 winners and an overview of the most influential EU cases. The conference will close with the much-awaited ECTA gala dinner, this time at the Trade Fair Palace, a gem of Czech functionalist architecture praised by Le Corbusier. Last but not least, ECTA friends can sign up for one of the typical ECTA Saturday excursions. This time you will have the chance to discover Prague Castle, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, or alternatively participate in a day trip outside of the city to the Gothic Castle of Kaltain. Get ready for another extraordinary ECTA conference. We look forward to seeing you all in Prague. ECTA contact details. Rue des Colonies 1824, Box 8, 8th floor, BE, 1000, Brussels, Belgium. Tell, plus 32 slash 251352855 fax, plus 32 halves 5130914. Email, ector at ector.org. Website, www.ector.org. Page 49. 41st Annual Conference. ECTA Prague, June 28, 1st of July, 2023 ecta.org page 51 article istanbul the capital of turkey aippi world congress 22 to the 25th of october 2023 written by guillaume henry second deputy reporter general aippi aippi will hold its annual world congress from 22 to the 25th of october 2023 in one of the cities with the richest history in the world istanbul as during the past 125 plus years the major achievement of the congress will be the process of adopting resolutions one in parallel a large amount of panel sessions and aippi cafes will be held allowing for discourse and exchange two 1. The major 2023 Congress achievement, creation, discussion and adoption of five AIPPI resolutions for harmonization, concerning patents, trademarks, and copyrights. Each AIPPI resolution is the result of a year-long process, including the following steps, preparation of a questionnaire by the AIPPI Reporter General Team, RGT, preparation of the reports by the National and Regional Groups, NRG, independent members, IM, development of summary reports based on the NRG, IM reports by the RGT, creation of the draft resolution, and then, during the Congress, discussions in the study committee and plenary sessions, and finally voting on the developed. Resolutions. This year, the five resolutions are devoted to the following topics. The patent study question is dedicated to the doctrine of equivalence, i.e., technical embodiments which are outside the scope of literal infringement of a patent's claims but are still considered to be within the scope of protection infringement, subject to additional requirements. The objective of this study question is to revisit whether, in principle, refinements, amendments or changes need to be made to the rationale of the Q175 resolution. 
In the resolution on Q175 entitled, The Role of Equivalence and Prosecution History in Defining the Scope of Patent Protection, Lucerne 2003, AIPPI noted that an element shall be regarded as equivalent to an element in a claim, if, a, the element under consideration performs substantially the same function to produce substantially the same result as the claimed element, and b, the difference between the claimed element and the element under consideration is not substantial according to the understanding of the claim by a person skilled in the art at the time of the infringement. In contrast, an element shall not be regarded as equivalent to an element in a claim, if a, a person skilled in the art would at the filing date have understood it to be excluded from the scope of protection, or b, as a result the claim covers the prior art or that which is obvious over the prior art, or c, the patentee expressly and unambiguously excluded it from the claim during prosecution of that patent to overcome a prior art objection. Further, from the various additional issues related to the doctrine of equivalence, this new study question aims to focus on the following two issues, i, the lack of symmetry between infringement and validity, patentability and, 2, whether, unclaimed, alternative embodiments disclosed in the specification should be excluded from infringement by equivalence. The trademark study question is dedicated to proving trademark use. In most jurisdictions, a registered trademark requires a certain level of use to be maintained. Different jurisdictions may set different periods of time during which use must occur for a mark to be maintained, grace periods. For example, in China, Japan and Mexico, a three-year period after registration is given as a grace period. In Argentina, Brazil, the EU, and many other European countries, it is five years. Some jurisdictions, for instance, the USA and Argentina, even require proving use at renewal or at a certain point after registration. Between different jurisdictions, specific provisions may vary greatly, for instance, in terms of use volume, geographical coverage, the extent of use required and the nature and type of evidence of use that is required and required to be shown. The objective of this study question is to focus on proving use in the context of the genuine use requirement of a trademark to maintain and enforce the trademark. The following issues are also studied in relation to proving the use of a trademark, a, evidence to prove trademark use, b, use of the mark in forms different from the registered one and the allowed form variation, c, trademark use on the internet and in the virtual world, and d, justification of non-use. The copyright study question is dedicated to the collecting societies. Collecting societies manage and license copyrighted works and related rights on behalf of their owners to users such as broadcasters, digital service providers and public performance venues. They enable remunerated use of protected works where individual exploitation would be impractical or impossible, particularly in the musical, visual and audiovisual sectors. Collecting societies play an indispensable role in the global copyright value chain, collecting and distributing billions of dollars in license payments annually. The objective of this study question is to discuss and develop high-level considerations regarding collecting societies. The resolution resulting from this study question could form a basis for an AIPPI model law on collective licensing, with additional detail added by future study question work. The general study question is dedicated to the responsibility of online marketplaces for online infringement of industrial property rights.
Online marketplaces are e-commerce websites that connect, i, buyers, and, 2, third-party sellers, even though some of them may also offer and sell products under the role of an online store. Online marketplaces have grown in importance in the e-commerce business environment. They allow smaller businesses to avoid the burdens and costs of setting up their own online stores and attract consumers to their platforms. For consumers, online marketplaces tend to improve the online shopping experience, as they can rely on the platforms to mitigate the risks associated with online shopping. On the other hand, such advantages also increase consumers' exposure to counterfeit products, as well as products that violate other industrial property rights. The objective of this study question is to propose a harmonized liability regime for online marketplaces, liability conditions and sanctions, when counterfeit products are offered for sale by third parties on their platform. This year, one supplementary resolution, prepared by pharma-focused standing committees, is dedicated to the exception of experimental use in patent law. 2. Panel sessions and IP cafes, interfacing with top IP practitioners, including industry practitioners and academics. In parallel to the study questions, more than 20 panel sessions will be offered to the attendees. Major IP, hot topics, will be addressed during these panel sessions in all areas of IP. Patent law, patent and trade secrets, extension of subject matter scope, plant variety protection and enforcement, FRAND SEP case law update, arbitration in patent disputes, etc. In addition, there will be a Pharma Day involving a series of panel sessions dedicated to pharma issues, such as patenting the microbiome, secondary use patents, plausibility and post-filed data, and pending EU pharma regulatory reform. Trademarks law, protection of trademarks in the metaverse, trademarks and upcycling recycling, relative grounds for refusal of marks, etc. Copyright and designs law, functionality in copyright, the average consumer forward slash informed user, the protection of authors artists in contractual relationships globally. Other topics will also be covered, including IP law global update, US and other jurisdictions, IP and genetic resources, traditional knowledge, geographical indicators, and NFTs in practice. Three networking lunch sessions will take place on the following topics, IP offices, film entertainment industry, and video games. Finally, a UPC mock trial and UPC update will be organized with the participation of EU judges. The numerous AIPPI cafes, dedicated to all current IP topics, will provide unique opportunities for high-quality networking. Delegates will meet IP professionals from all over the world working on the same topics in a friendly atmosphere. If you want to network while actively working on IP law issues with the best IP professionals from around the world in a friendly atmosphere, join us for the next AIPPI Congress. Registration opens on the 9th of May 2023. Page 54. Article. Legal regime in Sri Lanka to protect the consumer of digital intangibles or in the metaverse. Written by Anomi Wanagasekra, partner and Sabira Sharif. Senior Associate at Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. Globalization and technological change have created a new global economy powered by technology, fueled by information, and driven by knowledge. 
It is interesting to note that 5.07 billion people around the globe use the internet today, which is equivalent to 63.5% of the world's total population. Internet users continue to grow, with the latest data indicating that the world's connected population grew by more than 170 million in the 12 months to October 2022. According to Data Reportal, there were 10.90 million internet users in Sri Lanka in January 2021. According to the available data on the internet, the number of internet users in Sri Lanka has increased by 800,000, plus 7.9%, between 2020 and 2021. In January 2021, the internet saturation in Sri Lanka was 50.8%. Hence although a small nation Sri Lanka peaks digital consumerism. Whilst all these digital transformations generate numerous new business opportunities, it also poses numerous unforeseen risks which are not adequately addressed by existing laws. Manipulations are at the height of broadening the gap of available legal remedies for redress to consumers in the digital realm or metaverse. When it comes to digital intangibles which exist only in the digital realm, such as music, software ebooks, apps, digital stickers, channel memberships, etc. All consumers in the metaverse, are existing consumer protection laws in Sri Lanka adequate to redress a consumer who is deceived, misled or who has purchased a product with inherent defects resulting it not fit for the purpose etc. The main two legislations with regard to the sale of goods in Sri Lanka are the sale of goods ordinance no. 11 of 1896, SOGO, and the Consumer Affairs Authority Act, no. 09 of 2003, CAA Act. Ascertaining whether digital intangible goods or the metaverse falls under the definitions accorded under these legislations is paramount. Goods include all movables except monies as defined under the SOGO.2 according to the interpretation given to the term, goods, in the CAA Act, any food, drink, pharmaceutical, fuel, and any other merchandise falls under the category of goods which according to the rules of interpretation necessarily implies physical or tangible products. 3. Apparently, the concept of the metaverse is far beyond that it does not encapsulate the legal framework of the existing regime for the protection of consumers. However, it is also pertinent to note that in the case of the Software Incubator Limited v Computer Associates UK Limited, for the court decided that a sale of software is a sale of goods and not a provision of a service. In that, it may negate any arguments brought about that digital intangibles fall under the definition of service instead of goods. Interestingly this is still open for discussion under the provision of the CAA Act 5 Interpreting Services. The world is moving fast, and new legislation has been enacted regulating the sale of digital goods. i.e. The United Kingdom through the Consumer Rights Act of 2015.6 also, jurisdictions such as the USA, Japan, and the UAE have announced that they are making policies for consumer protection in the metaverse. In the recent past, the Consumer Affairs Authority of Sri Lanka has recognized the rights of digital consumers 7 and have advised that the consumers should carefully review the transaction before clicking, I agree. Consumers should read the fine print to ensure there are no surprising terms and conditions. Interestingly, Section 30 of the CAA Act provides that no trader shall, in the course of a trade or business, 
engage in any type of conduct that is misleading or deceptive or is likely to mislead or deceive the consumer or any other trader, and one could argue that this section is broader to protect a consumer in a digital sphere. Hence it is apparent that such authority would take countermeasures against a wrongdoer to prevent acts misleading the consumers. In conclusion. The existing legal framework in Sri Lanka requires amendments to readily regulate and meet the challenges of the increased use of e-commerce and new concepts such as the metaverse. The information era in which we live is moving at a gigantic pace, which has left us breathless. It is hard for law enforcement authorities, lawyers and judges to grapple with the challenges posed by developing technology and to reconcile legal principles and attitudes we are familiar with to the demands of the times. Those who manipulate the law to their advantage or blatantly violate it to make money are always ahead of the law enforcement authorities. It is necessary not only to refine and develop the laws to meet the challenges that the technology poses from time to time but also to augment the infrastructure and enhance standards of expertise necessary to grapple with them. 8. Page 55. Inside Back Cover Advertisement. Sing and Sing. India's finest IP advisory on copyright, trademark, prosecution etc. Member INTA Enforcement Committee. Asian Patent Attorneys Association Council Member and Member, Copyright. Singh & Singh Law Firm LLP. C-139, Defence Colony New Delhi, 110-024, India. Handheld, plus 919806-76281 Direct. Plus 9111 to 4982-6091. Email Sudeep at sing Page 56. Final outside back cover advertisement. Complete intellectual property services. Keisha Fleming Lake, PLLC. www.complete-intellectual-property-services.com Complete Intellectual Property Services is a boutique IP law firm specializing in an extensive range of destination intellectual property legal services in the Caribbean region. Complete Intellectual Property Services, Florida. 110, Front Street. Suite 300. Jupiter, Florida, 33477. United States of America. Info at CompleteIPServices.com. 561-769-5091 Complete Intellectual Property Services, Anguilla Calvin W. Lake Commercial Building Suite 10 The Valley, Anguilla AI 2640 Info at CompleteIPServices.com 264-476-1254 With a compass as our logo, we conveniently navigate our clients through the Caribbean region on intellectual property law matters.